All right. Fritz Bergen here, bloodandfaith.com. It's the weekend. And many of you have noticed, if you subscribe to my podcast, that I have begun to record and um, send on out readings of the Holy Scriptures. Why? Why do I do that? Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.13. He said, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture and to teaching and to preaching. And so I have devoted myself to the public reading of Scripture, as well as teaching what I teach and preaching what I preach. So that's a bonus for you. You don't have to listen to it. Feel free to pass those over, delete those off your device. Um, but it's out there. Uh, I, I think sometimes it's handy to just listen to the Holy Scripture. I mean, you can listen to some guy talking all you want, but sometimes the pure milk of the Word is exactly what you need to start your day, to finish your day, to get you through the day. Uh, to build up your inner man, to build up that spirit. The washing of the water of the Word is a requirement. It cleanses our mind. It cleanses our mind. It heals our mind. It heals our brain. There's something about the Word of God. It's living. It's active. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It goes forth and accomplishes that which it was purposed to do. It does not return void. The Holy Scriptures do not return void. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. They don't return void. When you preach the Word of God, and when you say the Word of God, and when you read the Word of God, when you listen to the Word of God, it changes people from the inside out in ways they can't even imagine, in ways they could never fathom. And it, it, cha it changes the individual, and it changes the culture. It changes the nation. And this is why I do what I do. I went through a time in my life many years ago when I just said, God, it doesn't matter. It doesn't make a difference. No matter how hard I tried to, uh, whatever, preach the gospel, whatever you want to call it, didn't matter. Didn't matter. Nothing changed. Nothing changed. People's lives didn't change. Nothing changed. And I was just like, God, I've, I've tried everything, and nothing changes. <laughs> and, you know, maybe some of you feel the same way. Maybe, maybe you've been through that. I, I know there's a lot of people that end up... Uh, you know, former preachers of the gospel, because nothing changed and it didn't matter, and it just didn't didn't work out. And I I get it, I got it, been there, done that. But I also know what the word says. It says it 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 does change things. It does change people. And when I started up again about I don't know now, let's see, seven years ago, with bloodandfaith.com, I here was my prayer. Lord, I just want to change one mind, just one mind. I just want to change one mind of anybody on the planet, that they would start thinking differently about the things that your word talks about. That's it. Just one mind, God. Just one mind. And that's what I think about when I do what I do. I, I, I don't have the millions. I'm not Rush Limbaugh. I'm not some fancy movie star. I'm not some TV broadcaster, TV, radio, television event. I just, I'm just an old grandpa sitting in front of my microphone, and I couldn't be happier. I couldn't be happier than, than, than this. I was talking to the wife last night. And we've gone through a thing or two. Oh, I should probably clarify that, right? <laughs> well, let's see. I've gone through a thing or two in many different ways, I guess. First of all, I've been married for over 30 years. So, yeah, gone through a thing or two. Uh, uh, life isn't always easy being married, especially to somebody like me. And then gone through a thing or two with um, 
you know, the minister of the gospel, preaching the gospel. I think I mentioned before I was uh, uh, employed one way or another with three different churches preaching the gospel. They decided they didn't want me, and that's fine. It, it, it all is fine. There's nothing bad about that. Uh, I'm kind of unique, kind of different than the average, I guess, uh, uh, guy in the pulpit. Probably wouldn't make a good fit for any church. Delving into the things I delve into. And, you know, things haven't always gone well at work. I mean, you, you, you say the things that one says, and, and, and people hear about it, and then they uh, launch a vendetta to get you and destroy your ability to work or your career or whatnot. And that's fine, too. That's fine, too. I mean, that's to be expected. I mean, after all, I mean, did not the Master say, hey, you want to follow me? You really want to follow me? Do you want to follow me? Get ready, buddy. Strap in, strap on, strap down. Not going to be easy. You want to follow me? Pick up your cross. It was the mother of James and John came to Jesus and they said, Hey, man, I want them to sit on your right and you're on your left. And Jesus said, First of all, it's not mine to give. That's the Father's to give. And second of all, are they able to drink the cup that I am able to drink? And they looked at him and they said, Yeah. And he said, Okay, you will. You'll drink that cup. Martyrdom. For those two, and 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 the question becomes, you know, what, I don't know about John, but James certainly was, and Peter, and all the other twelve. I mean, what what did you want? What did you sign up for? A comfy little religion? That's where I I have a different perspective on things, and you know, I've I've earned it the hard way, I earned it the old fashioned way. I've asked myself many many questions over the decades of my life, and I said, why am I doing this? What am I doing this? And what is this all about? I have a love in my heart for my father. I don't know how else to say it. I, I don't have the scripture on hand, but it's just the spirit, uh, you know, in, in our heart. We, you know, the, the spirit in our heart it cries out, "Abba, Father," crying out from from our hearts because we love our God. We love our Father. I can't escape from that. No matter what happens, no matter what goes on, I cannot escape from that. The love I have is, is the love of a child for his daddy and a great love of God the Father. And that's right out of the Holy Scriptures, by which we cry out, Abba, Father, Abba, Father. And I cannot escape that. I cannot escape that. And uh, that's the foundation for me for everything. Now, you know, say, how do you get that? I, I, I don't know. It's all by faith. It's all by faith. You preach the word, you hear the word, you believe by faith, you repent, believe in your heart that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, and confess with your mouth that he is Lord, you declare your loyalty. And it doesn't, you, you, life is the life of faith. You know, you don't win the lottery. Oh, ding, 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 you won the lottery. Here's your $10 million a, a month for the rest of your life. No, man, you, 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 you grow. You grow, and and part of part of growing is suffering. Part of suffering is well, it ain't fun. And there's a lot of questioning that goes on. A lot of questioning that happens. Am I? Is is this worth it? Sometimes the answer is no. I'll flat out tell you. Sometimes the answer is no. It's not worth it. And I've made that answer. And I've said those things. I said, hey, I can't do this anymore. 
And, and you go through that, and you go through that, and then and then it's, you dig down deeper. It's like, what's in your heart, man? Where are you at? Who, where are you at with all this stuff? And it's like, I can't not love my father. I can't, I can't not love him. I cannot deny his word that 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 is like clean, cool water when I when I drink it, when I when I read it, that restores my soul. I can't, I cannot deny that stuff. And so, you know, yeah, you know, you get, you get dragged down, you get beat up, and, and you, get, you get what's inside of you sorted out. And it's like, I can't, I, can't, I can't quit. I can't give up. Not because I'm better than the next guy. Not because I'm stronger or smarter or got more faith. It's just I love my father. And in there, there are choices of faith that you make. There's choices of faith. You make a choice. You say, you know what? I will believe. I will believe. And, and, you're, and they, you know, at the same time, I, believe me, I've said many times, I said, God, you're crazy. You're crazy. <laughs> but here I go. There I go, following after my, my father, my master, my savior, my lord. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word, but faith is also a choice. You have to choose. You make a choice. And if your perspective is, I'm going to sit back and wait till God proves it to my satisfaction, ah, ah, no, that's, you have it inverted. That's an inversion. He's God, you're not. He's God, I'm not. He doesn't prove, he do, it's not his place to even begin to attempt to meet our expectations. Here's the word. Here's the truth. You're going to humble yourself. You're going to humble your mind. You're going to humble your brain. You're going to humble your attitude towards him. Or you're going to be puffed up and say, you know what? Uh, you know, this isn't good enough. He has to prove it to me. And and many do. I, I, I don't. I, 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 you know, I've, I've gone through. Listen, I've gone through everything. I got, I got the Ph.D. You know, I've gone through all the atheism and all that, the whole nine yards of literary theory the whole i you know been there done that got the phd in it and uh i tell you i tell you in my heart there's something that cries out abba father and when i get in the word that word man it's like drinking cool water it just soothes my soul and i know also it comes at a cost it comes at a price you didn't you didn't wake up day one it it's it's god gives you a little enough to get you there enough to get you through and then you go through some hard times in order for him to see where you're at, in order for you to see where you're at. Where are you at with this stuff? Where are you at with all this stuff? Is this a religion? Is this a tradition? Is this a, a, a morale? A, you know, what, what's going on here? And you've heard me talk about this before. I don't want to get too deep into it, but, you know, it seems to me I am. There's a loyalty. And a pride. Loyal to my master. Loyal to my king. Loyal to my monarch. Loyal to my father. Proud of my father. Proud of him. Proud of his word. No ability to apologize. No ability to apologize for the word of God. Or, or my father. My, my God. Jesus Christ. No ability to.
Now, it, it didn't show up on day one. It, it comes through going through life and making choices. And, 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 and you go through these trials and, and you see, you know, where are you at, Fritz? Where are you at today? Where are you at? And sometimes it's terrifying. It's absolutely terrifyingly scary. But you make your choices, man. You make the choices. Now, what does it have to do with everything I do at bloodandfaith.com? What's my purpose? What's my goal? Well, I don't know. Part of it is just I can't help it. Man, the Word goes in and the Word comes out. The Word goes in, the Word comes out. The Word goes in, the Word comes out. The Bible goes in, and, and next thing you know, I'm talking about the Holy Scriptures. It's, I can't tell you how many times I've sat down in front of this microphone, you know, got some notes written out, and I said, oh, I'm going to talk about, you know, politics and war and, uh, you know, society. And all I can do is preach the God. All I can do is preach the Holy Scriptures, man. That's all I can do. Word goes in, word comes out. Because at the end of the day, let me tell you something. It's these the Holy Scriptures that are going to change the world. And that's why I preach the Holy Scriptures. That's why I say what Jesus Christ said. I have a great love for my people. I have a great love for my brethren, my racial brethren. The European peoples, I have a great love for them. Not that I dislike other people. That got nothing to do with it. You want a scripture for this? Go read the book of Romans. Go read Exodus. Go read Jesus Christ. Go read the Gospels. Didn't Jesus Christ say to the woman from the Samaritan woman, said, I only came for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Did he not say that? He loved that race. He, he still loves that race. And do not make the mistake of equating those who call themselves Jews with the race of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, with the race of, of ancient, the ancient patriarch Israel. Do not confuse the two. There's a people that run around claiming to be something that they're not. That's why Jesus Christ says they're liars. They claim to be Jews, but they're not. But they're liars, and they're of the synagogue of Satan. That's what the chief theological officer says, Jesus Christ. So he is. He's the final judge of theological issues, and that's what he said. He says, I know the slander of those who call themselves Jews, but lie, and they're not, and they're of the synagogue of Satan. So you know what? I'm going to stand right behind Jesus Christ. And I said, that's the man, that's what the man said. I'm not going to apologize for that. No way. It, it, you, you are a fool to apologize for that. You want to stand right behind him and have that word right in front of you and, 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 and honor it and be bold about it and say those things. Jesus Christ knew what he was saying was going to be tough. That's why he's the rock of offense. That's why he has a title. It's called, he's called the stone of stumbling and the rock of offense. Jesus Christ is the stone of stumbling and he's the rock of offense. There's a reason why. And there's a reason why. Jesus Christ said, hey, blessed is the man that's not offended by me. Well, uh, what would Jesus do? Well, what, what, Jesus, what Jesus would do is what, say what he said in 
John 8, 44, Revelation 2, 9, Revelation 3, 9. That's what Jesus would do. And one of the reasons, there's probably many, but one of the reasons this world is so messed up is that the church has backed away from Jesus Christ. And I mean that. I mean that. The church has backed away from Jesus Christ. The church just says, you know, yeah, we can, fi we can fix you up, Jesus. You know, we'll, we'll dress you up nicely, make you look good to the world. So we'll back off on what you said about those folks. And we won't mention what you said about this. We won't mention what you said about that. And we're gonna we're gonna re we're gonna market you as somebody that's tolerant and inc inclusive and just loves everybody and forgives everybody and passes out free heaven candies to everybody. That's what the church has done. Evangelical church, mainline churches, Protestant churches, Catholic churches. I mean that that dude in the in the in the what's his name, the Pope. You know, I usually don't say you know. You know, say so and so's going to bust hell wide open, but he's probably a guy that I would say that about. And and it's it's uh, it's an awful thing. You know, when people get upset, they say, "Well, why why you know why does God have to send people to hell?" Someday we're going to find out. And what we're going to find out is 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 not going to be a secret, and it's not going to be. You know, how, how could we have known that? We're going to be judged by the way we judge others. And the way we live our lives. And so when the judgment comes, we are know individually, we're going to know individually that the decision he made is the right thing. We're going to know that. We're going to know that. Go back and find my video on the judgment day. Go to bloodandfaith.com. Go to the archives and search search on judgment i had i had a beautiful video all nicely edited up on uh, youtube of course the wonderful people that own google decided that uh you know some guy sitting in an easy chair talking about the judgment day is is it can't be you can't have it so they deleted all my content there, and that was probably the one I enjoyed most. But uh, it's up on some other sites. I think it's on Brideon. It might be up on Gab. But when we go to the Judgment Day, there ain't going to be no surprises. And, and for the person that doesn't go into heaven and he ends up in the bad place, it's not going to be a surprise to them. The Almighty is going to look at them and say, Hey, Remember how you treated other people? Remember how you treated your your kid, your wife, your ex-wife, the kid that you never allowed to be born because it was inconvenient? Remember how you condemned and you hated the people that, uh, oh, I don't know, read what was in the Bible? Um, remember how you were so passionate about getting rid of the uh, cockroaches in your apartment? because they were diseased. Whatever it is, it's going to become extremely apparent, and we're going to understand. The Judgment Day, we're going to understand clearly, for all of us, I'm at the top of the list, how utterly short we fall from the holiness and righteousness of God in ways that words escape me. But when, when, when the holiness of God is revealed, every one of us, is we're, it's going to be pretty tough. 
It's like, oh my God. And then you're going to understand the mercy of God, the grace of God, and the judgment of God. I wish the world had a greater understanding of that now, in 2023. You know, we pray for revival, and I, you know, I would love for them to be a good old-fashioned Holy Ghost revival where hundreds of millions of people converted to Jesus Christ. But I also know, I'm just reading about the First and Second Great Awakenings, it's a terrifying thing. It's a terrifying thing. And my biggest hope and dream is that we get our theology right. Why? There's a saying, you can't put new wine in old wineskins. And some of the wineskins the church has built, they built wineskins that basically say, hey, here's the new Jesus. Here's the new Jesus. It's not the same as the old Jesus. Here's the new Jesus. And, and, and it's supposed to be pleasing to the world to fill up churches. And, I, and it has. It's filled up a lot of churches. you got these huge, giant churches. I'll never forget one. Easter, I was in, I was in the Middle East. I was in uh, Iraq. And I didn't want to go to church. They had a church service there, and, you know, I just, I don't know. I won't go into the details there. But it, 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 I said, well, let me turn on something. Good God, Fritz, here you are. It's Easter Sunday, and you can't even get your butt out of bed to go to church, so let's turn on to whatever TV station they had over there for the Americans. And uh, here's Joel Austin. And I was absolutely horrified, horrified by this guy, horrified. And I, just, I don't know this guy. I never met him before. It's the first time I've ever seen him, heard of him. And I, I just, I like, I don't know who he's talking about. I don't know what he's, ta- what is he, what is he even saying? It had nothing to do with Easter. Oh, he threw the Easter word out there, here and there. But I was horrified. Now, as we sit here in 2023, March of 2023, and we're looking at the United States and Canada and New Zealand and Sweden and Germany and England and Australia, uh, something has to change in the church. It's not God that has to change. It's not his word that has to change. It's us that has to change. It's his church that has to change. We have to be proud of the word of God, the written word of God. Remember what the Jews did. They didn't like the written word of God. Remember what these people who call themselves Jews did. They didn't like what Moses said. They didn't like what the prophet said. So they built up a series of traditions around that that later on was written down and it becomes called the Talmud. And that's the foundation of Judaism. Utterly, utterly antichrist. You don't think they got their hooks in the evangelical church doing the same thing? I've told you about this. I've talked to you about this. They write about it. We said, hey, you know, our Christian brothers, we just got to keep convincing them to uh, tamp down, uh, you know, those anti-Semitic scriptures, get them to do what we did, have, uh, develop their tradition so that they poo-poo what is actually written down. If we can't get it utterly just obliterated from the the Bible in the first place, which is their goal. I mean, this is their stated goal. This is what they've said over and over and over again. I give you guys one good article out of Jerusalem Post. I mean, you you don't have to make this up. This isn't Fritz making it up. They say it themselves. You know, salt's no good unless it's salty. And salt's good for flavor. It's good for preserving. I've been watching a 
couple YouTube videos on preserving meat with salt. Just with salt. I was like, that is really cool. So I'm going to have to try that and buy some cheap pork slabs and salt them up and see what I can do with it. And if, if we're going to turn this thing around, and I do hope we do, man, we're going to have to have some solid theology, some good, solid theology. And, and the theology starts with who Jesus Christ is. Jesus Christ is the creator. He's the, he's the, he's the God-man. He's the creator of the universe. And he's the ruler of every single nation. And God has called us to build Christian nations, as well as Christian individuals or Christian churches or Christian communities. Nations, entire nations to serve Jesus Christ. Entire nations, civilizations to serve Jesus Christ. What do you think Christendom was? It was a civilization of many nations to serve Jesus Christ. That's our call. That's called the Great Commission. Somewhere along the way, man, it just got too hard. It's like, well, we can't do that anymore. And there's men, been men out there. There's been prophets of God out there. You know, I think of guys like Rush Dooney, Russus Rush Dooney. Oh, he's a Christian Reconstructionist. I know. God bless him. And, and, and you, you Google Christian Reconstruction, you get 19 pages of, of slander. And the church rejected him. Didn't, didn't, don't want it. They're still, he's, he's dead. He's gone. I had to privilege, honor of meeting him years gone by. And other men said, hey, look, man, the Holy Scriptures is about the entire Word of God, about the whole body. It's about all of life. It's not about, oh, that's your religion. No, that's listening to the Antichrist. The Antichrist has convinced the church that it follows a religion. Oh, that's so cute. You're a, you're a member of a faith community. And the church says, oh, yeah, 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 right. I'm a member of a faith community. And we're going to have our little faith community. And, you know, this is our faith. <laughs> and I don't know whether to laugh or weep. And sometimes I do both. Sometimes I laugh and sometimes I just weep and weep and weep. I have a monarch. His name is Jesus Christ. He created this world. And he loves the people in it. Gave his life for us. It calls the church to preach his word, to build Christian nations, to preach the gospel to all the nations. It says right there, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, bring discipline to the nations. Build Christian nations. Why? So that the generations of young people can grow up and know Jesus Christ. What happens to the generations of people that grew up under the Aztec Empire? You think they knew Jesus Christ? No, they didn't. What happens in eternity? I'm glad I'm not God. I'm glad I'm not the judge. But Jesus Christ is. He'll sort it all out. Outside of Jesus Christ, there is no salvation. None. But imagine you grew up in the Pilgrim or Puritan world of 400 years ago. And every waking moment, you hear Scripture. You, you and you say, well, I, I don't know if I want to live like that. That's fine. Here's your, here's your alternative. You send your kids to a public school, and they're teaching them to hate white people, to hate themselves, to hate their ancestors, and, and teaching them, uh, imposing LGBTQ on them. What do you want, man? What do you want? Make a hard choice. I don't care which way. Go to the right, go to the left. I don't care. I don't care. But make a decision. And by God, I've made a decision. We're going to build Christian nations. 
We're going to swear allegiance to Jesus Christ. And rule number one of our nation is the first commandment. We swear allegiance to Jesus Christ directly. It's Jesus Christ that the first commandment points to. It points to Jesus Christ. Everything else is a lie. He is God. He is the creator. He says to his disciples, hey, hey, why do you ask me? If you can see the Father, why do you ask me that? If you've seen me, I've been with you so long. He says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I and the Father are one, Jesus Christ says in John 10, verse 30. I want my great-grandchildren to grow up in a society where they love themselves, they love their race, they love their ancestors, they're proud of their European heritage, and, and where the Ten Commandments are back on the wall of every schoolhouse in, in, in our land. I want to live in, in a country where we treat the evangelists of LGBTQ as child molesters and child rapists. They ought to be arrested today, at the very least charged with contributing, contributing to the delinquency of a minor. Try them. Maybe they're guilty of, I don't know, criminal conspiracy to rape children. Destroy them psychologically, sexually, socially, mentally, and, you, and you're destroying these kids. I, I, that, and that, that gets to me. That's personal to me. Fine, I got it. Teddy and Freddie are out there at 40 years old, you know, doing that the unspeakable. Uh, you know, fine. Oh, you're going to put it on my kids, my grandkids? Kindergarten, first grade, second grade, and then teach them to hate the white race? It's going on now. I don't care how conservative your town is. It's going on now. When the Ten Commandments are illegal in your public school and they got LGBTQ up there, we've already gone over the edge. And the trend is still in a very, very, very bad direction. It's still in a very bad direction. I don't, I don't know, some country in Europe, I don't know what country it was, but arresting a pastor for preaching the Holy Scriptures, saying, hey, transgenderism, no, no, it's not good, not right, it's wrong, it's against the Holy Scriptures. That pastor's blessed. He's blessed. Because he's going to say the truth no matter what. And that's what it's going to take for the church to turn around. And, and let, it, let the people go, man. If the people want to go be Judeo-Christians, if they want to serve the Antichrist, which is here now on earth in the form of you-know-who that exactly fits the definition of the Antichrist, 1 John 2.22, this is the liar, he who denies the Father and the Son, this is the Antichrist. You got to memorize that scripture, man. Memorize it. Memorize Second John, seven through eleven. Memorize it. Y'all are looking for, you know, some movie star or some. I don't know what you're looking for. And it's right here. Church is afraid. Church wants to be careful. We want to be good citizens, tolerant, inclusive. <laughs> Completely contradicts. The entire story of the Holy Scriptures completely contradicts what Jesus Christ said to the children of Israel when they went to the Promised Land. He said, don't you dare 
dare, dare make a treaty with them. Don't you dare go to peace with them. If you do, they will rule over you. That's exactly what's happened in Christendom. So we need brave men, brave women, brave children. We're not getting out of this, man. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, we're not getting out of this. You're not, so not, not going to all of a sudden fly away. You're going to live through this or die through this. And that's our honor, man. That's an honor to do that. Don't you know you're given a life of tribulation? We all have our tribulation, and there's many different kinds of tribulation. But we're put into this life to have and experience tribulation. And you can call the tribulation with trials. Call it whatever you want. Embrace it, man. Love it. Enjoy it. I know. I complain like a little baby, too. I cry and whine like a little spoiled little baby, too. I got it. If we don't speak the word, how are they going to hear, man? How are they going to know? It's a big thing. It's a big thing. We need to build Christian nations, explicitly Christian nations, based on our nationality, our birth, our family, our ethnicity, our kin, our tribe, our race. That's the organic order that God set down. I mean, read the Holy Scriptures and tell me I'm wrong. Over and over and over again. Nations are based on bloodline. And you enforce the division by changing the languages. And he sets their times and their boundaries. Oh, we can't do that. That would be racist. Yeah, well, there you go. That's your tradition of man. That's your precepts of the elder that you set up to rule over the written word of God. That's, what, that's exactly what it, that is. Ancient Israel was supposed to be an example to all the other nations, every one of them, all the nations, the African nations, the Asian nations, all the other nations, so that the other nations would come up and say, hey, man, uh, we're, we'll come up to Zion. Uh, what makes you so great? They're supposed to say, hey, it's the Ten Commandments, man. We live by the Ten Commandments. We fear Jesus Christ. And so they can go, and they can go and build Christian nations. Send some missionaries over there, help them out. It used to be that way. That's, that's what Christendom did. That's why the gospel came to the, the, the New World, the Western Hemisphere. We built Christian nations in the Western Hemisphere. These aren't Muslim nations. Now, only in the last couple hundred years have, have the influence of atheism really become predominant. And there's a whole history of that. And far, you know, you've heard me talk about this. I've, I've, as far as I'm concerned, that is the great falling away. This is the great falling away. So then I talk like that, and I'm talking myself into, into the idea that maybe we are we are in the end times after all. And I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not big into that because I'm like, look, we got a job, we got a task, we're going to build Christian nations. And my hope and my desire is that. It, let me see if I can pull it up. The vision of the Valley of Dry Bones. Ezekiel, chapter 36. Let's see how good I am today. Get my thumbs working on this new Bible. It's really, uh, 
Uh, quite astounding how much they stick together. Uh, Ezekiel 37. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord, and he set me down in the middle of the valley, and it was full of bones, dead, dry, bleached, lifeless, fleshless, bloodless bones. And he caused me to pass among them round about, and behold, there was very many on the surface of the valley, and lo, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord, you know. Again he said to me, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you that you may come to life. I will put sinews on you and make flesh grow back over you, cover you with skin and put breath in you that you may come alive and you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded and I prophesied and there was a noise and behold a rattling and the bones came together bone to bone. And I looked, and behold, sinews were on them, and the flesh grew, and the skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath. Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, breathe on these slain, that they may come to life. And so I prophesied as he commanded, and the breath came into them, and they came to life and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. And my prayer to God Almighty is that would be a prophecy over my European brothers and sisters whose ancestors built Christendom, who built a glorious civilization to, G to the honor of Jesus Christ. And I don't care what the slanderers say, Revelation 2 9, I don't care what they say. I yearn for the resurrection of my race that we would serve Jesus Christ. That is my task. That is my purpose. The resurrection of my brethren, my brothers and sisters, that we would not listen to the lies, the deceiver, and we would break out of it and say, no, we're going to return to our God. We're going to turn to the God of our ancestors, Jesus Christ, and we're going to build Christian nations. And the, the all rest of you, you can go to you know where. That is my task and my purpose. That is the Great Commission. That's the Great Commission. And as you raise generations, imagine you raise generations of young people, and they go to school, and are here, they, they, they read the Bible every day. And they see the Ten Commandments on the wall. And yeah, teenagers are still teenagers. I got it. Been there, done that. We had a great teenage craziness. But, but you're immersed in a culture that honors the Almighty God. You're immersed in a culture that, that is imbued with the Holy Scriptures. You're immersed in a, in a culture that honors your ancestors. You, you, have an, you fear and you honor and you respect your mother and your father and your ancestors. You have your own land. You have an identity as a race, as a tribe, as a nation. And you're proud of your nation. You're proud of your own land. And you're willing to fight for them and protect them from the synagogue of Satan. Literally from the synagogue of Satan. Imagine growing up in a society like that. And when you grow up in a society like that, and this is for all the evangelicals that want everybody to be born again, and I'm one of them, okay? I criticize the evangelicals because that's kind of my tradition. 
I, yeah, I grew up Episcopalian, love that church, and it breaks my heart to see what happened to it. Love the Book of Common Prayer. In any respect, you, you, you take a child and they grow up in this situation, and then you preach the gospel to them, and the Holy Spirit touches them. They're not battling 40 years of their brainwashing. They're, they're not battling their mind saying you're a byproduct of time and chance. They're not battling their mind saying there, there, there is no God. They're not battling their mind saying this is all just a bunch of hooey. Their mind's right there. And the Holy Spirit touches them, boom. They're like, yes, now, now I got it. And that fruit starts falling off the tree, man. And you're getting 30, 60, and 90-fold. Because you build a, a Christian nation. You tended the fields. You tended the fields. You didn't abandon the fields to the synagogue of Satan. You didn't abandon the fields just to the devil himself. That's essentially what we've done. Now, I don't know who this message offends more. The Judeo-Christians or just the, the, the synagogue of Satan? The people that want their nice little safe little thing? Oh, I would never want to oppose my religion on anybody else. What do, what do you think it is when, when you, you're told you can't say this and you can't say that? What do you think that is? We're living that. We're living, we're living in a totalitarian society that's anti-Christ. You, you know what? And, and here's a note to the Christians. You don't got to worry about the loss. You got to worry about the word of your testimony. And when they say you can't say this and you can't say that, you say, oh, oh yeah? Watch this. Boom. Revelation 2.9. Revelation 3.9. Uh, boom. Uh, Genesis chapter 1. God made a male and he made a female. And he commanded them to reproduce and multiply. Homos can't do that. It's not possible. It's, not, it's, it's biologically impossible for that to happen via what they do. And it needs to come out of your mouth. Loud, proud, baby. Normalize the Holy Scriptures. Normalize it. Imagine if every school kid in, in America read, uh, you know, uh, the book of, read one chapter of Proverbs every day of the month, and then repeated it for twelve years. Imagine every school kid going through high school and and knowing, having an understanding that you know what God created us, and there's a judgment day. And you look to your right or your left, and these are your your brothers, your blood brothers, right next to you, your cousins, and your and and, and you're you're not all. I won't even go down that road. But how, what do you think is going to happen to school shootings? Boom, it's gone. I, I, I never, man, we used to take our thirty out sixes to high school when I was a kid. Every kid had a gun in the. Not everyone, but a bunch of us. We had guns in the in the back of our pickup trucks. And I took took a big old rifle and put it in my locker in high school way back in the nineteen seventies. Well, I can't believe you did that. I can't believe I did it either. It scares me now. <laughs> what was I thinking? Just a silly little teenager. Why did I do that? So I could go hunting with one of my friends after school. Never crossed my mind that anything would be different than that. That never crossed our minds. Ever, 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 ever. Yeah, we got in fights. We got in fist fights. Never got in knife fights. There was never shooting. We didn't have armed, armed security guards at schools. Guns all over the place. Knives I ever had. Every kid had a knife. Oh, but we're smarter these days. We're going to have a tolerant and inclusive culture. And we're going to preach against hate. And the more we preach against hate, the more hate there is. All right.
Fritz Bergen, bloodandfaith.com.